0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
2: Hey, very glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Trust you had a good weekend. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. If I sound a little bit off, you're not imagining things. I uh, am battling a cold here, so hopefully it's not too much of a distraction, but, uh, Jim, talk about a distraction. Yesterday, for those of us, or many of us anyway, living in and around Washington, some people in Maryland, D.C., felt their house just shake a little bit yesterday and kind of a low-level boom and maybe a little bit louder depending on where you were. Turns out there was a sonic boom as uh, F-16s intercepted a wayward Cessna, which tragically crashed in Virginia. I don't know if there was a pilot medical emergency or what happened, but it got off course. And they obviously were worried that it was perhaps an attack on the Capitol. It was not. But uh, what was your your reaction yesterday?
1: So I was outside at the admittedly disappointing local flag football championships, and I did not hear it. I don't recall hearing anything. I may have been so zoomed in on my younger son's attempt to cover uh, a kid who I believe was on steroids. That is the only way to justify how he was moving so fast. Um, that uh, I did not hear anything, but I did, you know. i look check on the phone. Lots, uh, lots of people are tweeting about. Oh my goodness, did you hear that? What was that? And all kind of stuff. I'm a little concerned. And then it was this, you know, unpleasant and dramatic story. Um, that you know, living in the D.C. area, they do patrol that that you know, the skies over D.C. very staunchly. And uh, unfortunately, some Cessna pilot was not uh, not nearly as careful as they should have been. Yeah, so we don't know what happened. Uh, the plane crashed, and sadly, everyone on
2: board was uh, killed. This was ended up uh, crashing out along the I-81 corridor there by uh, Stanton, Virginia. But uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but it, uh, by all accounts, it was not a deliberate uh, attack on, on anything. So, uh, condolences to those involved, but uh, thankful that our people were on the spot to make sure that uh, if it was a problem, that it was dealt with. Anyway, on to our uh, first good martini today, Jim, and... Uh, you know, as the left continues to uh, beat the drum on climate change, we hear about it all the time, and the things we have to do. There's even a story in Ireland where they want to—some people there in, in the government want to kill 200,000 cows over the next three years to <laughs> to uh, reduce the amount of methane emissions. But uh, what we're going to talk about today is uh, a new poll from uh, the American Energy Alliance, uh, which definitely has a perspective on this. But the way that some of these questions are asked. Uh, It's pretty much straight up. First of all, what is the most pressing issue facing the United States right now? 38% say the economy and inflation. The next one is 9% at uh, guns and the Second Amendment. Then you get down to inflation, immigration, President Biden, and the budget and debt. Climate change, nowhere on the list. And even on the second most important issue... Uh, Climate change, nowhere on the list. And so as you go uh, further down the list, should gasoline-powered cars be banned? Only 15% agree, 82% uh, disagree, with 60% strongly disagreeing. Should we eliminate the use of gasoline, natural gas, and coal by 2050, irrespective of the cost? 60% 60% disagree, 35% agree, and I think that's a little too close uh, in my perspective. Do you think electricity rates will increase or decrease if the government mandates only electric vehicles can be sold here? 81% realize that they will increase. Uh, They're also very worried about China controlling the raw materials that go into electric vehicle batteries. Furthermore, uh, 34% only believe carbon dioxide is a pollutant that damages the environment and compromises human health. 53% say it's needed for plant life and humans both exhale it and consume it every day. And so uh, finally, should we make it illegal to sell gasoline-powered cars, lawnmowers, snowblowers, and other equipment? 83% oppose it. So, Jim, no matter how loudly they scream and John
1: Kerry talks about saving the world, the American people aren't buying it. Good for them. You know, I was thinking about John Kerry when I was looking at these numbers, and I was thinking about how for such a long time, certainly Kerry running in 2004, you could probably go back to Clinton or Gore in previous cycles, um, how much Democrats running for office, the standard playbook was to say something like, we're going to protect our environment and, renew, you know, embrace alternative energy or invest in alternative energy or, you know, shift over to alternative energy. And you'd have the campaign ads and you'd use the stock footage of solar panels or windmills or something like that. It felt good. It was like, oh, isn't that nice? Oh, look, look at the windmills. Look at those solar panels. Wow. You know, and the solar panels are out in the middle of the desert. Most, you know, most people don't live out in the desert. Oh, OK, that's fine most people don't live near a windmill so like okay that's good they'll they'll be over there I'll get my electricity I'll get my energy from somewhere else and if you want you can always run the um contrasting images of an oil refinery probably by the side of the New Jersey Turnpike and how ugly and there's smoke coming out of smokestacks and it looks very bad and scary but these alternative energy oh look at just the, the 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 cadence of the announcer changes alternative energy for a long time like that kind of messaging was very simple and easy for democrats well the green movement has moved the goalposts right it's not enough to say oh we're gonna uh promote this we're gonna subsidize this we're gonna invest in this green tech um solyndra you know some some of us remember some of these investments not working out so well but now they actually really want to take away your you know natural gas stove they actually want to say to you, the auto manufacturer, a certain percentage of your fleet must be electric or else we will not allow you to sell cars in the United States. Uh, They really want much bigger and more sweeping changes about this sort of thing. And just as uh, gun control advocates keep getting frustrated cycle after cycle, where they say, look at these polls, like 80 to 90% of Americans say they wanna reduce gun violence and they, they stay with us. Yes, that support is a mile wide, but it's an inch deep. Whereas the NRA members and the gun second amendment supporters it's kind of maybe the opposite maybe it's not as wide maybe it doesn't win on the you know on the public opinion polls but the people who care about that vote on that and they will march across across broken glass in order to register their views on this sort of thing so the support for clean energy and all the other green agenda items it you know it may poll very well but people don't necessarily vote on it And you saw that in those polling questions about what do you think the most important priority is Ameri- and then, of course, the next you know, round of questions we've seen in other polls is that if are you willing to pay more and then all of a sudden that support oof, disappears, right? All of a sudden, it suddenly turns into this. Well, wait, well I don't, whoa, 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 you know, because they ask people, do you think you're saying, you know, you're paying too much in terms of gas? Yes. 78% say they're paying too much for gas right now. Do not forget the fact that gasoline prices are as particularly as we're starting summer are at a very high, not as high as last summer, but they're still at a very high level by historical period by historical comparisons. Home heating, 59% they're paying too much. Electricity, 53% say they're saying too much. Almost nobody thinks they're paying too little. 2% say they're not paying not enough for gasoline right now. 3% say they're paying not enough for home heating right now. My guess is those are people live in the South. And 1% say they're paying not enough for electricity right now. There is no support for higher energy prices. And if Republicans can underline in red and demonstrate the connection between the Democratic Party's agenda and higher prices for electricity, for home heating, for gasoline, they should have a very good, uh, they should have a slam dunk win in, in upcoming elections. The support is there. The public attitude is there. Now, all Republicans need are candidates who can articulate that message. Well, that's a very important point. But yeah, Jim, I, I'm sure they're flabbergasted. I mean, who would
2: want to pay more? for less reliable energy, and have choices stripped away from you, like what kind of car you want to buy. I can't believe that that's not more popular uh, to Americans across the board. But yes, uh, even though these are extremely unpopular ideas, they're still going forward unless we win elections. And so uh, finding the right people to run against these Democrats is critical. Say the green so, argument well,
1: basically amounts to, okay, so it starts with a downside, but there's also a downside. And what's more, there's yet another downside. Exactly. You think you hate it now? Just wait.
2: All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 com slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared Twenty times faster than normal. So visit fourpatriots.comslash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator two thousand X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over ninety seven dollars. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number patriots.com martini. That's fourpatriots.comslash martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now, and uh, seems like China's pretty much camping out in the bad martini. But uh, Daily Caller with the story, the U.S. Navy published footage late Sunday of a Saturday incident where a Chinese warship skimmed dangerously close to an American destroyer transiting the Taiwan Strait. Video footage taken from onboard the USS Chung Hoon depicts a Chinese warship darting out in front of the guided missile destroyer as it conducted a routine operation alongside Canada's HSMC Montreal coming within 150 yards of the ship's bow, according to the Navy. The Chung Hoon held its course after the Chinese ship bore down on the port side, but reduced its speed to avoid a collision, sparking accusations that Beijing, quote, violated the maritime rules of the road of safe passage in international waters, according to the Navy's Indo-Pacific Command. So, uh, Jim, when uh, ships are moving, 150 yards is not far. I mean, it's not that far anyway. That's like uh, two Hail Marys from Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, so uh, One this is very, very close. <laughs> One and a half. And so, uh, you know, this is obviously a, a clear provocation from the Chinese. The question is,
1: are we just going to say, thank you, sir? May I have another like we did with the balloon? Well, it's interesting because after the balloon, President Biden was at the G7 summit and he referred to it as a silly Chinese balloon. It was that silly to the you know, intelligence that was uh, collected there. Uh, But he said he expected to see a coming thaw in relations with Beijing. Just wait and see. Well, since then, we've not only seen a massive cyber attack by Chinese-sponsored hackers, we've not only seen uh, what the Pentagon characterized an unnecessarily aggressive maneuver over U.S. surveillance aircraft operating over the South China Sea in international airspace, international waters. Uh, That is the Chinese plane flew directly in front of and within 400 feet of the nose of the RC-135 forcing the aircraft to fly through its wake turbulence. This is part of a long-standing, I don't want to say cat-and-mouse kind of game, but these sorts of harassment attempts uh, in this area. And now we have this uh, very similar you know, issue in the seas of a Chinese ship um, you know, going in front of a guided missile destroyer. Um, now, so far, this has not led to the disaster, but those of us with long memories can remember, back in the very beginning of George W. Bush's presidency, um a very similar sort of you know in-air collision uh thankfully not fatal but one that damaged the plane forced it to uh land at a chinese base they did their best to destroy the sensitive equipment on the sur- by the way, surveillance plane when we do it it's a surveillance plane when they do it it's a spy, it's a spy plane <laughs> um but basically and it was a, i think it was like nine days until they returned the crew and obviously china was doing whatever it could to learn the uh any valuable intelligence from the plane i don't think they ever gave it. if they ever gave it back it was long after they'd you know gone over every possible uh square inch of that plane I, I i'm waiting for that thaw president biden you know where where is this supposed to happen where is this supposed to uh start seeing this kind of stuff the attitude of china is you know real brinksmanship real trying to get people you know uh you know Dare almost a game of chicken, daring the US and it's out, uh, you know, it's a back down. And I, I kinda, you know, I, I'd love to see things improve I'd love to see China not be in. I don't want to see China as the permanent resident in the bad martini on this podcast. But um almost every day there is some sort of additional provocation or attempted confrontation or uh you know metaphorical pounding of the chest on the part of Beijing. And it's really hard to see. It feels like you know, Biden is waiting for some sort of thaw or conciliatory gesture that is just never going to come. So we'll see what happens, but is really kind of ominous out there in the South China Sea right now.
2: What type of uh, conciliation does he expect Beijing to make when we don't do anything
1: about their provocative acts? Not I mean, sanctions or anything. CIA Director Burns reportedly traveled out to Beijing. I'm not, I, I'm neither thrilled nor, you know, appalled by that. I guess contacts between, you know, that are, are you know, I, I Burns is a very experienced diplomatic hand. So I suppose it's better that we're talking. I tried to lay this out in the Morning Jolt a couple weeks ago, and I'll try to give the very short version. I don't doubt that there are parts of the Chinese government that are not eager for a confrontation with the United States. Probably in the foreign ministry, almost certainly in the, you know, uh, Ministry of Commerce, business community. There are a lot of people who probably like to keep us as their big customer. There are also parts of the Chinese uh, government that are probably eager for a confrontation. Probably in the Ministry of Defense, probably in Ministry of State Security. you know generals and military people see the world as a battle to be fought spies see it as secrets to be stolen businessmen see it as a deal and diplomats see it as opportunities to talk the role you have very often determines the way you see the world if there are ways we can strengthen the non-confrontational portions of the chinese government i'd love to do that and i'd be open if i thought dialogue was gonna lead to something if there are ways we can strengthen the you know for lack of a better term doves in the chinese government then we probably should pursue that so we got to look at it in very clear eyes and we should not fool ourselves into believing that it's working when it isn't. And right now, it's very hard to see any signs that there's any additional, you know, burgeoning move towards conciliation from the Chinese government or even detente, even mutual coexistence. Right now, at least from the military side, it looks like confrontation, confrontation, confrontation. Um, so I, in theory, uh, an attempted thaw or detente or outreach to Beijing could work. Of course, there's still that little thing about the fact that they're responsible for killing several million people around the world for the, you know, release of a virus. Um, but, you know, if, if, if that could work, I'd be open to it. But I really don't see any signs of it working. And I think that this is what we've come to expect from Biden. This, you know, just as, you know, what happens at the border is a temporary seasonal pattern and infl- nobody thinks inflation is going to be serious and you're not going to see helicopters flying off the embassy in Kabul. Biden is always telling us things are going great and good things are around the corner. And then they don't come and it's always somebody else's fault. They're not bad folks, folks. Yes, they are. The leaders of the CCP absolutely
2: are. All right. On to uh, our second great sponsor for the day, and that is Nutrafol. Look, if you're pulling your hair out over our China policy or kind of a lack thereof of a China policy, uh, fret not. uh, Nutrafol is here for you. 80 million men and women in the United States experience hair thinning, but there's a solution now. It's natural and it's effective. It's
1: called Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, which is clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage for both men and women. And thinning is different for men and women. Nutrafol has multiple unique formulas for men and women that provide exactly what they need based on their biology and age. Every formula is physician formulated using natural medical grade ingredients for reliable results and without any compromises.
2: You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Martini to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: All right, on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And uh, this one's kind of a double-barreled crazy. But uh, in the Atlantic, uh, at the end of last week, you had Tim Alberta. I believe, uh, an alum of National Review. He's also spent time at Politico. You might remember him being one of the uh, questioners at a Democratic primary debate back in 2020. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, he got extraordinary access to Chris Licht, the chairman and CEO of CNN Worldwide, like ridiculously exclusive access. Pretty much everywhere Chris Licht went while he was awake, Tim Alberta was there. And uh, it did not come off well. Part of it was Lick's own uh, problems. Part of the problem is uh, Lick himself, and there are a number of uh, different areas that uh, that uh, Lick seems to be taken to the woodshed on, including the town hall debacle where he wanted an audience that was extra Trumpy. Obviously, the left's still very upset about that. Uh, he's obsessed with the press and spent a large part of a holiday dinner uh, reading a critical story about him on his phone. Uh, he's obsessed with Jeff Zucker and on and on and on. So uh, Chris Lick did himself no favors. Tim Alberta just took advantage of the access that he was given there, Jim. But uh, what do you make of the
1: outcome? Yeah, let me begin by saying, you know, Al- Tim Alberta was with us for about a year or two in the, uh, I think it was the 2016 cycle. Um, he is a great, reliable, dedicated reporter. I think very highly of him. And if he ever asks to spend time with you, say No! <laughs> not because tim alberta isn't a great guy and i don't hes certainly even got go out to sandbag him i don't think i just think that chris Licht gave alberta access to everything including his workouts dear listeners i don't care how big a guy, and hopefully you know whether or not i ever become big and famous you're never going to see somebody one around when, I, when i'm on the treadmill or when actually i don't even on the treadmill i'm mostly on the elliptical uh with my knees these days and no one needs to see me sweat <laughs> I don't think there's a point of putting that. So, but he talked to his trainer and he, apparently the trainer is a a, a big lefty and you disagree with some of the things Chris Licht was doing. Um, I come away from that very long article with a certain amount of sympathy for Chris Licht. I think his vision of what he wants CNN to be aligns a great deal with what I would like to see. Um, he wants it to be more balanced. He wants it to be a place that Republican candidates feel comfortable appearing and one where voices on the right feel like they're getting a fair shake and they're getting a chance to, um offer their two cents he's not going to turn cnn into a conservative uh network by any stretch of the imagination but he wants to get it back to what cnn used to be in the pre-trump era because he believes that during the trump era it became hashtag resistance and indistinguishable from msnbc uh there's a whole section in there about his frustration and the ultimate departure of don lemon i think chris Licht has a lot of the right his vision of where he wants to take him is, is probably the right one, and he's got a lot of good instincts in that area. Having said that, the execution has been messy at best, and he's getting a lot of resistance, no pun intended, from within the network. Um, chatting with Megan Kelly on Friday, I said it almost feels like he's attempting to do an organ transplant, and you're seeing the body reject the, uh, the new organ. Um, that there are large swaths of CNN's network who got very comfortable as hashtag resistance. They got very comfortable defining themselves as an oppositional force to Donald Trump and by extension, almost all Republicans. And there is not a full buy-in to the Chris Licht vision by any stretch of the imagination. Also, again, like if you're really thin-skinned or you're obsessed about uh, what somebody people are saying about you or something like that, you're probably going to run into problems. I really don't think you can be the new CEO of CNN and not make enemies and particularly if you want to change direction and particularly if you want to change from what it has been there's really no way you can get non-stop applause from all that stuff we've discussed on this podcast in the past cnn ratings have just taken an absolute tumble the the ratings for the town hall with uh trump were fine but it's actually you know really fallen off a cliff um we've talked about in the past how cnn is perceived as fire alarm television god forbid something blows up somewhere in the world you tune in, oh my god you know there's an explosion in beirut you turn on cnn um, but for the average night to night, day to day, you you know, people don't watch it and they certainly don't find it as entertaining as what they're seeing on Fox News or on MSNBC. So CNN has always been trying to find its non-breaking news identity. What is it and what does it stand for and what kind of person wants to watch it? And, uh, you know, this also. This article certainly made it look like Licht, um may not have a ton of the uh support from above anymore or he's at risk of losing it and he's certainly still got a lot of resistance from the bottom and I, I you know i don't know if he's in over his head i think some people will read this article and come back to it so crazy on multiple levels because it seems self-evident to me that if see C- there's no point in cnn trying to be a pale imitation of msnbc we already have one left-wing resistance network i don't really think there's a need for a second one um And, you know, to say nothing of competing with network news and all the other institutions that are providing that kind of vision of, uh, you know, generally pro-Biden, generally anti-Republican, etc. So if Licht does not survive this, this will not be a good thing. Uh, But I just think, you know, the irony will be if one of the things that would contribute to his departure was this profile by Tim Alberta, because Licht was so convinced that he was going to come across as this confident winning the guy who exactly the right kind of guy to be the architect of a new and different and rejuvenated CNN.
2: Yeah. A couple uh thoughts here. Yeah. The mission, as he explained it was journalism being trusted. I assume that means telling the truth. And I think that's a good goal. I think that's exactly what journalism should be. The question Jim in our polarized um, setting right now is whether you can build an audience like that, because people love to be spoken to in their own locker room, basically, as opposed to, uh, more of a straight delivery. I mean, News Nation was created to be down the middle, and I think there were probably more people at your flag football game yesterday than watch <laughs> News Nation, so I'm
1: not exactly sure. I mean, in defense, my son's uh, flag football team is pretty good, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know they packed the house, right? Uh, the other thing I would say about uh, the access, it's just insane. I can't believe anybody would agree to that. No problem for Alberta requesting it. The worst you can do is say no. But Jim, when you look at uh, all these reality shows uh, that have played out over the last couple of decades... I struggle to find a couple or a family that hasn't completely imploded uh, as a result of that constant access. The Duggars being the most recent example, uh, but, you know, Nick and Jessica didn't work out. Hulk Hogan got divorced. He'd been married for decades. Uh, Who else? John and Kate and uh, the Palins even. I mean, uh, just having that constant intrusion. And in the case of Alberta, it's not as long as, you know, if you got a reality show for a dozen years or whatever. But uh, it's not good. It's not good for a couple. it's not good for a family and the results
1: are usually pretty predictable. That is a very sharp observation there, Greg. And I, I think you are correct and I you know besides the fact that social media turns everybody into a small-scale celebrity, right everybody suddenly has an audience. everybody suddenly has this urge to uh, turn their life into a reality show and constantly be putting up interesting content right on their, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever you're you're putting out there um I'm I've been re-watching the uh ESPN slash Netflix series The Last Dance which is about the the you know the Bulls of the 90s and Michael Jordan and I'm thinking about how much the mystique of that era was because they weren't on you know 24 7. there there was this pre-social media really pre-internet and so as a result of it the only you know like you you watch the athletes on the court right that that was where you and occasionally you would get an interview occasionally you get the post game Uh, locker room talk or something like that, but you really, you know, there was a certain mystery to not being able to see these people all the time. I think Chris Lick might've been better off if he had not agreed to this interview and who had simply, you know, and kind of kept a part of himself hidden, right? Leave people kind of wondering what you're going to do next. I think that there is a, a, I like the instinct of, you know, oh, openness and, you know, I'm going to have an open door policy and people are going to be able to, you know, reach me. And that's all good instincts, but I think it does turn into this Seeing somebody, like, the only people who should be seeing you 24-7 probably are your spouse and your kids. And even then, you need some time away. But, uh... <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so sharp observation there. Like, no, no matter how much you think, oh, I'm going to cooperate with this profile and it's going to turn out great, it very, very, very rarely does. Well, quite the start to the week. Jim, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity,
2: National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already, tell some friends about us as well. Thanks also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please, please keep those coming. Also, get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Monday and join us on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch